0: Hello, I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Michael Karen. Michael is a 40-year-old father, coach, and motivator. I met Michael while at a yoga teacher training, and we have kept in touch ever since. I chose this time to interview him because of his the recent birth of his son, Stadler, who was one month old at the time. We dive deep into one of the hardest months of his life, with the death of a lifelong friend as a result of brain cancer and the loss of his matriarch grandmother. He read the eulogy at both services, and I'm sure the stories will leave an impression on on you like they did me. Additionally, during this energizing conversation, we discuss his formative years through a semester at sea, the wonder of being a new father while being present for a stepdaughter, and his philosophy on leadership and self-development. Before we talk more about Michael, because I got a lot to say about Michael, he's awesome. I want to talk about my long form Sunday's posts. These are weekly reflections that I write on my medical school experience from the first anatomy lab to now. You can find those on Amazon, the the collected uh, reflections on Amazon. Uh, If you search uh, physician education, it should be one of the first things that pop up. It's pretty cool that way. Anyway, on April 15th, I wrote on listening to my meat suit or shifts in my movement practice. This week, I reflected on how my movement practice has changed over the past few months. I still like to pick heavy stuff up, but I have shifted towards a balance with play and unstructured movement. After a long day in the OR, I can push my body to grind through a tough workout, but should I? Then more recently, on April 22nd, I published on the first fall of spring or halfway through surgery. This week, I reflected on the halfway point of my surgical clerkship, just six weeks until the end of third year and a big fall on the slack line. And in addition to finding the collected works on Amazon, you can also find all the posts uh, for free on my website, MNMWOD.com. That is d.com mobility and mindfulness work of the day. Anyway, back to Michael. Michael is a is truly grateful and honored to be on this podcast right here in this moment, an incredibly proud and fortunate husband, father, and son, someone who is compelled and acts on being the change they want to see in this world, ready to lead, and ready to follow, a servant, leader, passion, respect, realization, and commitment. Before Michael dies, he wants to be the best husband and dad that he can be, He wants to create experiences for his children that enrich their lives in the most authentic way possible, to be a great friend, to be a great uncle, to be a great son. And he also wants to continue to honor the friendships and the family ties that he has, to continue to be gracious and to have gratitude for all those that he comes into contact with, to motivate, encourage, and inspire as many people as he possibly can to be the best versions of themselves. When Michael dies, he wants peace, to be surrounded by his family, and to be with his family. After Michael dies, he wants to be with any of his loved ones that have passed before him. And he wants people to say, if they've met him, or if he's impacted them in some way, that he has made their life better. And in conclusion, Michael said some really awful, awesome stuff, and you should wait until the end to hear it, because it's great. He, just, he has this pitch, and it's so good, and he delivers it with such passion. Uh, you'll see. Anyway, so this was a great conversation. As I said earlier, I met Michael um, at a yoga teacher training. It was for teenagers, and uh, we we uh, it was so funny. It's it's so funny to think that that was when we first met because it does feel like I have known Mike for a while. And uh, ever since then, we've kept in touch. He he has this organization. Uh, that uh, he calls it a, a a lifestyle brand that creates life enhancing experiences. This is known as Get Burly, and the mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves. And uh, he was he he so he works at a he works as a teacher, um, and he runs these retreats uh, to help. You know, y- mostly youth. So like teenagers, a lot of athletic teams, um, and he actually worked with my crew team, Great Bay Rowing Club. Uh, on a whitewater rafting retreat and it was really great and um he's just a great dude he's really walking the walk and talking the talk and he uh has linked up with some really cool folks uh some people at spartan race uh that the you know the obstacle course racing events and uh, he also works with seal fit uh so uh, that's also that's with mark devine he's a navy seal uh, a retired navy seal commander uh that does a lot of really good work in terms of like building grit and uh and also doing a lot of good work in terms of spreading mindfulness to people that would probably wave away mindfulness. Uh, so like he's, he, you know, as a Navy SEAL commander, if he's saying you should meditate, you should probably, you know, that, that will re that's a message and a messenger that will reach people that, uh, probably wouldn't receive it otherwise. And, uh, he also has hooked up with some, with like Ben Greenfield, another big podcaster, uh, works in the fitness realm. So he's, he's a cool dude and he's, he's just getting out there and he's doing his message and, uh, I really wanted, I, and like that's great stuff, but the real, as I said earlier, the reason why I wanted to sit down with Mike, at least specifically, was like, oh, this is a really interesting time to interview him, is because he was on paternity leave uh, as a result of the birth of his son, Stadler, and uh, he also has, uh, so, he, he has a, um, so he's married uh, to uh, his partner, and uh, her, his partner has a child from a previous relationship. And also, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. You know, it's a very modern dynamic. Uh, you know, you have your own son, but you also have your own new daughter. And uh, her name is Mabe, and she, uh, or Mabe, I forget her full name. That's what he calls her, Mabe. And she actually uh, pops in into the interview towards the end, so you'll be able to hear Mabe, and she's great. And uh, I saw her poking around in the video, so it was really, really cute and uh yeah because this is you know such an interesting transition point to go from uh you know stepfather and that that has a lot of responsibility to go with it to uh to be like i i'm the guardian of this life to now uh being able to see a life start and be birthed and then to start taking care of it and to have 30 days with this weird nugget of life i thought that was really wonderful and that's why i reached out to him and um it was a really great conversation. It really lit me up. Uh, I, I, re- I listened to it again uh, f- to make these notes, and uh, it was so much fun just to hear it again because I was like, oh, this is a great conversation. But now, with a little bit of time to reflect on it, especially with, with the timing of it, I was so, so pleased. And uh, I think that you'll really like it. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the, two, so the, 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 the real meat, I feel like, of this conversation is when we start to dig into death and start talking about the death of his friend. I believe his name was Ryan. And the death of his grandmother, which both they both died within a month, and uh, they had such uh, a profound effect on him. And uh, you know, there's he tells me he told me about how he was present for when uh, Ryan's uh, wife told Ryan's son that Ryan had died, and uh, it's just such a powerful idea to be present with, uh, to be present there as as that trans that, that that. Crucial information is transmitted, and uh, it's almost it's it was so powerful, and I got chills, and I got chills listening to it again. It's great. I think you'll really really dig this conversation because as, as you know, as as heavy as that might sound, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff because he ta- he he is uh, a guy that really um, works to make his dreams, and uh, I I'm so I'm so excited that we know each other. I'm really excited to see where we where we go and uh, where he ends up. And uh, and we mentioned briefly, like we're. I feel like there's gonna be a collaboration, you know, sometime in the future once I'm up and going in my medical practice. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, right now, it's just a really great conversation to be listening to uh, Michael Karen on death. it is february 13th 2018 and i'm sitting here in my coopersburg home in pennsylvania and i'm talking with michael Karen, and he's in his georgetown massachusetts home and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts michael what are the four prompts
1: The four prompts uh as we would say in boston uh i am uh, what i want before i die what i want when i die and what i want after I die.
0: Excellent. And how do you finish that first
1: prompt, I am? I am truly grateful and honored to be on this podcast right here (laughs) in this moment. That's what I am right now. Why? Why are you grateful for this? Because, you know, what an awesome way to express time like an expression of time. What I mean by that is, at the end of the day, all we have is time. And so how we choose to spend our time is what is ultimately most valuable to me. So when someone whom I value very much, like yourself, creates an opportunity and takes that time, which I consider to be most valuable, out of their life and out of their day, and says, I'm going to block off this undetermined chunk of time to dedicate it towards you, to me, that is one of the most awesome expressions of appreciation, of authenticity, of the value of the human spirit. And so I'm just filled with gratitude that, you know, that, that you wanted to take this time to do this. And I and I just think that this project that you have going is awesome. I mean, you call it on death. It could be on life. It could be, you know, there's so many different things you could call it. I mean, this, this, this project that you have decided to undertake is massively awesome. <laughs> so it is. And, I, and so I feel, I, I, feel, I feel very gracious in this particular moment to be, to be here with you and to, to share this expression of time.
0: Thank you. And that is a very uh, lovely way to look at, you know, like any sort of appointment or just like blocking off of time because, you know, I'm coming from the clinical medical world right now where, uh, you know, we just go through appointments and, and ev- like, like, you know, in, in, in a clinic you might see 20 patients in a day and you can be, uh, uh, but you know, it, it really is like you are making the time <laughs> you're traveling, you're doing all of the ancillary things necessary to be in front of that other person. And that does have value and it is something that can go totally unnoticed and unappreciated.
1: Well, I think gratitude is so important. You know, I mean, I just it can escape us, it can elude us if we mm-hmm. if we let it and when we're deliberate about gratitude, I just think it enhances our lives in in so many different ways and so it's it's to me it's important to acknowledge it and express it. And act on it as often as you can. And so um, I just want to express my gratitude to you. <laughs> Thank
0: you. So you are grateful for this, this experience right now. Uh, what else are you?
1: I am an incredibly proud and fortunate husband. I am an incredibly proud and fortunate father son, uncle, friend. Um, Those things are very important. Family and friends are very, very important to me. And it's a huge part of of how I identify myself. Um, I would also answer that question by saying that I am someone who is compelled and acts on being the change that they want to see in this world. I. I am ready to lead and ready to follow. I am a servant leader. I am passion, respect, realization, and commitment. Good stuff.
0: Good list. Now, now we got to do the hard work of breaking some of that stuff down. <laughs> so you are an incredibly proud husband, father, son, uncle, all, all of those, those familial like, web things. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting first that you, you kind of try to get capture all of that because it kind of places you in a web rather than in, in a silo alone. Like, I am a father. It's great, but that doesn't capture how you're also a son to someone else. Uh, so that's that's great. And uh, what? How has um, how how has your relationship with your family changed? And uh, uh, you know, with, with your with your parents, and then how has that also changed
1: uh, with the uh, with Stadler? Good question. Well, I think it's important to be where you are, you know, to be where your feet are, and to be to be firmly planted. And you know, family is something that allows me to do that. I think because of that, I'm able to draw strength. from it in in the other areas of my life. So I just want to start there and set the frame of reference of why it's so important to me. But in terms of your question, it's the dynamic. It's been so interesting. (laughs) My family is awesome and they've always been awesome. But this outpouring of unconditional love for Stadler and it's like a revolving door. I mean, everybody's here. You know, everybody's here and they're coming in and out. And can I hold Stadler? Can I kiss Stadler? What did Stadler do today? You know, all this kind of stuff. And it's super awesome. You know, it's super awesome because it's just, it's an expression of love. You know, it's an expression of, you know, how can basically someone walking in the door of your home without any other motive whatsoever, but other than to say, how can I help this transition of your life of you bringing this newborn into the world? What an awesome expression of love so it's been so cool and it's it's i would say that it's created an even stronger connection between myself and my and my family and it's also helping to merge this connection between the families in massachusetts and oklahoma because there's you know in addition to ashley and may and i there's this newborn to sort of help you know bring bring everyone together and it's been really cool it's been it's been heartwarming and it's been um An opportunity again to just express gratitude Mm -hmm. And uh, before we start talking
0: about uh, your 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 work of service um, and and leadership and and following I want to talk a little bit more about this this fatherhood because it is such a It is such a threshold to cross like you Mm. you are a very different person before before the pregnancy and before uh, before you hold that little nugget of life just staring up at you and how has how has that transition gone? Uh, did you have any idea? Like, did did, I imagine you thought about what it was like to hold Sadler for the first time, but like, how did your expectations of that experience, uh, like what was the expectations versus the reality of that?
1: Well, you know, I, this throughout this whole process, I've really tried to be in the moment. And so as far as expectations go, you know, most of my energy and my time was committed to, you know, being there for Ashley throughout the pregnancy and, you know, what you know, trying to help ease her, you know, her pain and her suffering that she would be going through and, you know, talking to Stadler, talking to him, you know, and, and May and I together reading to him while he was in there and thinking about the development while, you know, he was growing in the womb and, uh, So we really tried to be in the moment of all that. We didn't know we didn't we didn't find out the sex or anything like that Oh, okay, because we just wanted to you know, take it one day at a time and I have to say though there was this welling inside of me this uncontrollable surge of energy and emotion about as we got closer to to the due date into it into it happening and but it wasn't something that I planned for necessarily or expected to happen it just it just happened and i would say it was feelings of, of pride unconditional love you know um concern for for the well-being of of my wife and of the baby um trust trust trusting the doctors to do their good work and, and trusting the professionals to be professional and to be in the moment, um, and so all of those things came up. Um, but it was a magical experience. It was. It was. I felt like the entire day. I, I didn't feel like my feet were on the ground. I felt like I was floating. I mean, I felt <laughs> like I. It was just. I can't explain it. It's not like anything else I had ever experienced, other than just this really. Mystical, authentic experience in which the room was so filled with love and hope, and it just it was amazing, you know and it was just it was just my wife and i and and having that moment to share that moment together and to and to go through that moment together and when Stadler first came out, it just i mean it was just tears tears of of love, tears of joy, tears of hope, and just this feeling. You know, I'm kind of feeling it right now, you know, chills, palpitations, (laughs) you know, just this, this incredible feeling of love that just like the second, the second there was this physical baby in my hands, there was this magnanimous sensation, overwhelming sensation of love emanating from, you know, every pore of my being and I just had this complete knowingness of this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be with and nothing else matters right now. And, and it made me really happy that I took the time away from get burly away from teaching away from coaching to be able to be present, not just in that moment, but in the weeks to come and to, uh, to have that opportunity to bond with my son and to, you know, sort of help create a deliberate family dynamic where, you know, May felt included and, and Ashley was, uh, had my support, you know, as she healed. Cause I mean, what a process, you know, Uh it just, it's amazing. The miracle of life is, is, it's a miracle. So, um, so there was all that.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, Stadler is now about a month old, something like that.
1: Yeah, born January third. So.
0: And you just you just turned the big four zero. And uh, how how has the the mantle of father uh, settled on you? Is it is is it weird to consider it now? Is it like is it uh is it does it still kind of sit odd or how, what does that feel like?
1: It feels I love it, man. I love it. I, I you know. I want to associate myself with that more than any other title or accolade (laughs) or award than anyone's ever bestowed upon me. Or I've been lucky enough to, to, it's, you know, I'm a father, man. Like Mm. what's, what's better. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing that I take more pride in. And I just, you know, and I, I feel so lucky. I feel so blessed. People try for years to have this happen you know and and they want it so bad, and they have surgeries and operations and spend you know all this amount of money and i feel I feel so blessed I feel so lucky um and I just you know it makes me want to live better it makes me want to be better in everything that I do it makes me want to you know be a better leader, be a better coach, be a better mentor it makes me want to you know just live my life by example it it's like everything that I do has this not in a way that I feel pressured about it, but it has this new meaning to it, a deeper level of meaning. And that's, and that's the cool thing about fatherhood because it's not like, I mean, you know me, it's not like I don't feel that way anyways, but this is a different level, man. This is some next level stuff. <laughs> and it's, and it's <laughs> awesome. It's an awesome responsibility. The responsibility of fatherhood is an awesome responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I'm sure it is. And uh, okay, so you are uh, grateful and thankful for this experience. You are uh, an incredibly proud uh, father, son, uncle, all what have you. Um, what
1: else uh, you know i I try to be the change that I want to see in the world. I really do um, you know I've had the opportunity to Uh, throughout the course of my life so far spend a lot of time with a lot of people uh, Mm -hmm. and travel quite a bit and you know I want to create a scenario in my interactions where even if it's for a brief moment and no matter who it's with I want to have become a better person for having known that person and I want them to have become a better person for having known me, mm-hmm. even if it's in a very brief span of time. And so I think that, you know, that takes a level of authenticity really in really being deliberate about being in the driver's seat of your own life and living a life of your own choosing. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, it's it's always been very important to me to, um, exude hope and Passion and to lift people up
0: And it sounds like uh, the the recent change in fatherhood has kind of brought that to a next level uh, where did but where did that? Uh, originate like what has was like 15 year old Michael Karen always about being the change he wants to see in this world or is this has this uh, been a a realization that has happened and kind of brought you to this point?
1: Both. I would say both. I would Mm -hmm. say that it's, it's evolved over time, but I think even as a very young person, I, I, you know, I always cared deeply about how my actions impacted other people. And I, when I was in a team environment, I always cared very deeply about, whether or not i was lifting those up around me and what my influence was on the entire team that was that was always very important to me um and i i guess i have my parents and my my friends to thank for that because i think they were very emotionally in tune with how their behaviors um, impacted others and i grew up in a community where you know, it's, it's hard to find a community like this anymore. I was actually just writing about it. I grew up in a small town called Middleton and it was one of those towns where everybody's parents were also like your own, you know, I mean, everybody took care of each other. I mean, every, everybody in town knew each other and everybody took care of each other. Like if I did something disrespectful at <laughs> my friend's <laughs> house, I was going to be punished for it. Like, I'll never forget. I, I grew up with this, you know, big Italian family, the Mortalos, And I told this, terrible joke at the dinner table you know very serious old school Italian and the guy's name is Vito Mortalo. I mean this is like <laughs> as you get, right all this construction company like you know I'm sitting at the dinner table and I'm like think, you know like wisecracking young kid I'm like hey why do Italian men have mustaches and they're like uh, like so they can look like their mother's like you can't, say that. You can't <laughs> say that a little kid you know wham smack right across the face like that's how it was. You can't be just, and what my parents, my, instead of my parents were like, oh my God, somebody else. No, they're like, what What did you say to Vito? Like, you can't say that. I'd get punished even worse, you know? <laughs> so I think there was the sense of community, the sense of community was something that was a part of me at a very, very young age. And, and that's just because I was fortunate to grow up in a town where everybody really cared for each other and looked out for each other. Mm-hmm. And so it started then. And I think that it's evolved over, you know, a variety of life experiences where I've been lucky enough to be exposed to um, environments and scenarios where you really could see where if you put your intent and your, your personal power towards something, that there would be opportunity for positive change.
0: And mm-hmm. it sounds like that that early sense of community and like, of like, you know, of repercussions of like you your, your interactions with people have effects and you, they can either be good effects or they can be, you know, negative effects. Like this little story you just told us. Right. And uh, in, in this modern age where people are moving so often and they're in communities that are fractured, it's so easy to be able to interact with people in such a way that you're like, I'm never going to see them again. I can be kind of a jerk. And to carry that sense of community and of, of lasting repercussions, and of of this is a really you're you're you know you you might never see them again, but you have built a relationship with that person, and it uh, the way that you interact with them is going to make is going to change that relationship, and uh, it sounds like that has was a strong blueprint for you. Absolutely. Did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood?
1: Well. Half Irish, half Italian, what do you think? And I grew up in Boston, so <laughs> uh yeah, I grew up Catholic. Um, you know, went through the whole thing, Sunday school, confirmation, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's part of the community, it's like going to school, you know, it's like playing baseball. So mm-hmm. just part of part of growing up, you know, Irish, Italian, Boston, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Irish
1: mm-hmm. Catholic, Roman Catholic, it you know. It's what it was. So yeah, that was definitely part of our, uh, our upbringing. I say our, cause it was like, you know, it's all of us. Did you now,
0: do you have any, I'm, I'm sure that you've had these discussions of what, what you would like a uh, Stadler to be raised as, or like in what kind of spiritual environment, uh, would you, are you creating for him?
1: You know, it's so early mm-hmm. <laughs> born, and you know, I think ashley and i are both very spiritual people and we believe in providing structure and providing discipline and you know imparting important life lessons how that's going to take shape i can't say we've completely figured out yet and if that's Mm going to need to be a particular strict doctrine i don't believe so uh there's there's so much that can be taught through our actions our interactions as a family our experiences with other family members, our reading of literature, um, the lessons that can be taught in, in, in choosing the right young books, in choosing uh, important experiences and where we go. So I, I, our children will have spiritual experiences that teach important lessons, but I'm not sure that that's going to have to need to follow any strict doctrine of any, of any shape or form. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: All right. So you are grateful for this moment. Uh, for this experience, you are, um, an incredibly proud, uh, father, son, uh, et cetera. You are, you are the change that you want to see in this world. What else is there? Or is there anything else? <laughs>
1: um, well, you know, I mentioned ready to lead and ready to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, what a, what a cool concept, you know, I, I think this was a concept like I said that was ingrained early on but it wasn't coined in that way to me until I met Lieutenant Commander Mark Divine and I was privileged enough to take part in his seal fit program and uh you know we've hosted a few events together and we've we've done some good work together and I I truly admire this man um I mean he's he's written you know the unbeatable mind um seal fit some other really great books but just the way that he lives um, as a family man as somebody who exudes so much positivity and all the different ventures that he has into society so for your listeners that maybe haven't had a chance to check anything by him out i would strongly recommend it but a reason i bring him up in relation to your question is this concept of ready to lead ready to follow something that sort of permeated some of his experiences with the sales and you know understanding what the group needs, what your tribe needs, what, you know, in being willing to accept either role, not dependent upon what's right for you, but dependent upon what's right for the greater good of all. And that is really, really important to me. And, you know, we spoke a little bit, you know, we, you and I communicate here and there, and it's always, I feel profound communication, but, you know, one of the things that we had been talking about recently was this idea that there's an interconnectedness and what happens to someone somewhere impacts all of us everywhere. And I, you know, and I truly believe that and I try to live my life with that very deliberately. And so I think it's important to understand when to lead and when to follow and to be cognizant of what the needs are of the group. And, you know, like that for me, that starts with my family. And then maybe that also is part and parcel to the community that I, that I teach. And when I'm on a Giberly team building and leadership development retreat, I have to take that into consideration. What does this group need in this particular moment? And how can I serve them to get the most out of this experience? And so when I say being ready to lead and or ready to follow, that's, that's what I'm getting at with that statement as well. Mm -hmm.
0: yes because always being the leader is cool uh not necessarily this the service that is required at that moment and uh i'm sure that you have uh plenty of examples through through your experiences with get burly and through coaching and through teaching that of of how you know people can uh have these ideas of leadership but uh it's not always the person the loudest person
1: in the room right absolutely not but i'd say the best leaders more often times that's not the case um because you know leading by example and leading through your action is 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 more impactful and um that doesn't have to be loud that doesn't have to be you know speak softly and carry a big stick Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah no i would agree with that
0: all right and uh what else is on that list of i am
1: You know, it's interesting. I sometimes, you know, I was thinking about this question and I I was talking to my wife about it and I said, you know, I I could literally just say I am Mm -hmm. because I try to be in the moment, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And I think that that's where the magic happens, right? I mean, I was lucky enough um, for my last semester of college to do a program called Semester at Sea and amazing eye-opening experience traveled to i flew out to vancouver flew out to seattle took a shuttle to vancouver british columbia spent 12 days at sea not seeing any land other than the aleutian islands then we landed in japan china vietnam malaysia india kenya south africa brazil cuba and i remember being in china and going to visit the monks and the temples and seeing them in prayer and in meditation and reading scripture, you know, all day long in this beautiful seated Lotus meditative stance with these elaborate books of scripture and just watching for hour on end and thinking about that. This is, this is what they've, you know, dedicated their lives to, you know, and achieving this sense of, of Zen meditation and living in the moment. And it just was such a powerful image that resonated within me. And I had, you know, started meditating in high school and, you know, continue to do so to this day. But it, I think it instilled within me a deep desire to, to be, to exist, to be present. So the last way that I would answer that question is to just say I am.
0: <laughs> it's a good it's a good response and uh and i imagine that i don't know i i feel like international travel is so important for anybody especially at that young age in those early late late teens early 20s just to like really crack open expectations and ideas of what is the world like because if you don't see what the world is really like you kind of have these ideas that aren't founded in reality and mm-hmm. uh and being able to see like oh people are, it's, it's not even that they, they talk a different language, but they live a different life. And that is, uh, I think, very important to not only understand, like, what is your place in the world, but like, what is it, what does it mean to be yourself? Because
1: there are so many ways you can do that. Right. I mean, so to piggyback off of your point, first of all, some people are never in a minor minority situation. -hmm. Some people grow up throughout their entire high school experience, not once ever having, maybe in some cases having not been a minority even for a weekend, let alone their entire experience. Um, But that being said, before I get off on that that rabbit hole, (laughs) that's something that has been an interesting dynamic in my life. But I intentionally sought out to create a, a situation where I was not a minority. But to go back to your point when i decided to go do teach for america okay first of all i was i'm the first person in my family to to graduate from college so this was this was like going off to college having an experience with something very different very new um but it was something that i that i really wanted to do and you know before i was 20 i had this goal like i'm going to travel the world from it's gonna it's, it's it was just something that i had inside me i wanted to do it and i had this idea that i want to teach at some point in time i want to teach what that looked like how it would be I mean. I changed my major so many different times because so many ideas were so fascinating <laughs> to me. I was studying all these different things and, you know, trying to live in the moment. And, you know, I became fascinated with literature, right? I became fascinated with the human body and with literature. So I was like a PE major, doing my labs, doing human anatomy, you know, biology. And then I was also like studying literature and into writing and, you know, reading Herman Melville and Joseph Conrad and the Heart of Darkness and Lord Jim and like all these crazy ideas, Right. i was like i want to teach i don't know what i want to teach but i want to teach and then i had this like aha moment and i'm like what the heck (laughs) am i going to teach the kids i have no life experience my -hmm. head's been in books i have books upon books upon books upon books with these notes and little ear flaps but what have i done Mm -hmm. you know and i was like i and it was, but it was important to me. It was like like that sense of community that we talked about from when I was young. It was important to me to find a way to give something of value to people. And so I said, I've got to have some life experience. And so I looked. I got to travel. I got to do this. I, you know, I was very close to joining the military. I was, I was just, tr- I was trying to find a way to have an experience where I could really open myself up. And give something, but also receive something that I that would make me have a greater capacity to give. Mm-hmm. And so I came across this thing, semester at sea, right? But I got no money. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I come from nothing, right? So I'm like, pl- I figured out all this stuff, right? I'm applying for grants. Someone's like, I'm going to try. I'm going to travel the world. You know. So I figure it all out, right? I don't. I don't have to pay anything, right? I want to travel the way i have to pay anything. I figured it all. I was crazy. It's a whole nother story. I could go on for days about how I did all that, but. It, it's just, it's determination, right? Mm-hmm. Like you set your mind to something, you just do it. Like you just, you just figure it out. And so I'm like, I'm going to go do this semester at sea. but the impetus for it, right. Was to expand my horizons, which you talked about when you travel abroad and you have these exp- to expand my horizons so that I would then be able to actually have something of value to give to students or to give to those in my, which I didn't even know at the time, but those in my Burly workshops or retreats or things of that nature. And then all of a sudden, man, talk about your world opening up. Like I grew up in the North Shore of Massachusetts and then I went to school up in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I had a very limited experience culturally. Now all of a sudden, right, you're on a ship, 750 students and faculty. Now listen to this. Every faculty member that was on that ship had to have, lived in a country on the itinerary, right? For at least a, no, two countries on the itinerary for at least a year. And they had to have a PhD in their field. Wow. So talk about experience, right? Like, like, I'm going to be like, and so I was just blown away. I took advantage of everything. I mean, there were people of tremendous wealth that were on this experience. They called it like the booze cruise, right? Because (laughs) in international waters, they open up the bar on the ship. You can just drink, da, 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 da. But I'm like, I want to at seven o'clock tomorrow morning, we have world regional geography that's open to all the students and all these guest lecturers. Like I'm sitting there, you know, 15 minutes before the thing starts with my notepad open, my cup of coffee, like I'm an empty canvas paint. Like I just want to (laughs) learn, you know. Um, So it was this amazing experience, like you said, that just opened up all these possibilities. I mean, it opened up a world of possibilities to me. And I'm so grateful for those, for those faculty members and, you know, that I had the courage at the time to take that leap of faith and be vulnerable enough to just go not knowing anybody and, and just kind of, you know, open myself up to that. So I think to go back to your original point, it's important for people to be willing to be open to those experiences because you learn so much, not just about yourself, but about humanity. And all these universal truths that that exist, which is another reason why I love your podcast so much, because you tap into all of these universal truths. You said it on a podcast. I don't know who you're interviewing, but you said one of the cool things about this is you could be paying some. It could be the the clerk at the you know the grocery store near where you go before you go in to do your rounds or whatever, and they might have the same exact spiritual beliefs as you. They might you might they might have you might have so much more in common with them then then you possibly even know because we're connected right we're con- there's these answers are so different but they're so much the same mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so anyways the my experience on semester at sea really helped me to understand the connectedness of humanity mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it sounds like it set you up for uh, to make to create and mold and uh, form the crucible that is the Michael Karen that we see now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, I would, I would say that those were the early seeds of get all right,
0: all right. And, uh, okay. So how do you finish the next prompt before I die? I want,
1: uh, before I die, I want to be a, the best husband and dad that I can possibly be. And I want to create experiences for my children that enrich their lives in the most authentic way possible. That is what is most important to me is, is to, to be the best, to be the best husband and father that I can possibly be. Um, you know, secondary to that, I want, I want to be a great friend. Mm -hmm. I want to be, Um, A great uncle and a great son. I want to continue to honor the friendships and the family ties that I have and uh, I Want people to feel it and I want to act on it. I want it to be based on actions Not things I say but things that I do Mm -hmm. Um, I want to Continue to be gracious and have gratitude respect and appreciation for all those that I come into contact with. Um, and, And I want to continue to make that part and parcel to my daily routine. And I want to motivate, encourage, and inspire as many people as I possibly can to be the best version of themselves, to be the best version of themselves mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, and emotionally
0: good stuff so there are i guess there there's like like th- this sentiment of like wanting to be the best most the most authentic um present father son um person that you can be can kind of come from uh, a couple different places right like there there you can have the, like it's sort of like i want to be a really good coach because I want to inspire my athletes or it could be I had a bad coaching experience and I don't want other people to go through that And I'm wondering is there uh, where, like can you identify where this place comes from? Is there, is there an aspect of like I want to give to to Sadler, to May uh, To those around me something that I didn't have or is it something that you are? I, I got this wonderful example growing up and I want to m- Exemplify and be up be it for everyone else around me
1: Phenomenal question. I would say that it is a result of being graced by the presence of amazing people
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and feeling what their impact felt like, you know, uh, starts with my parents, some amazing teachers that I had, some amazing coaches that I had. You know, um, having the experience to spend time with yourself, having the experience to spend time with Mark Devine, Ben Greenfield, Yancey Culp. I had the unique experience to spend some time with Desmond Tutu on oh, wow. uh, Semester at Sea. I met Fidel Castro on Semester at Sea, too, <laughs> um, which was really cool. Um, but, you know, being in the presence of masters, And people that have really cultivated their art and cultivated their art in service to society has led me to this place of wanting to um, cultivate a life and a set of experiences for everyone, not just my children, everyone that I come into contact with, but when it comes to my children. Children and being being around kids for as long as I have, I mean, I've I've been a teacher for my entire life. Uh, They they see you, they watch you, they notice the most subtle intricacies. I mean, I bet that if you were at a row practice out there and you had the most subtle difference in your the way that you were wearing a shirt, or if your hair was a different style, I bet you that entire crew team. Was keyed into it whether they said anything or not is different, (laughs) but I bet you they knew they will they are watching And so the most important thing we can do is lead by example and through our actions and so because I've seen this and because I've seen how what my interactions have done sometimes for the positive sometimes for the negative to the people that I've aimed to serve through my teaching coaching and get burly experiences I've come to learn how important it is to lead by example. Um, And so that's, that is, I would say, a major contributing factor as to, as to why I want to intentionally and deliberately create these types of experiences for my children.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, the, the simple act of, of leading by example is something that is never, you're never done. You're, you're never, you're never done being an authentic <laughs> father. you There's no, there's no point where you're like, okay, I get to take this off. Like I'm, I'm, no. I'm I can chill and like, it's not it's always, gotta be an no. asshole. You know, it's never done. Right.
1: No. And you know, they say I, here, I have this, is another shout out. I have, the, as you can see, this little mug here and it says mm-hmm. easy day, right? That's like, you know, part of Mark Devine's seal fit thing. They say the only easy day was yesterday, mm-hmm. right? That's a big, that's a that's like a, a big part of the seals. You know, earn your trident every day. The only easy day was yesterday. Like you're going to have to crush it. You're going to have to wake up, put your feet on the ground and be like, Bong! But there's, right, there's the deliberation piece. There's being deliberate, right? You have this mental concept in your mind you visualized what that looks like you've put colors to it tastes sounds smells sights it's it's it already exists in your mind and now with intent we breathe life into it you know it's part of my meditative practice it's part of my journaling practice it's part of you know everything that i that i do it's there's a mental visualization piece attached to it and what I've found in my experience is that the more we can paint that, right, the more we can take that artist brush. I love that interview you did with what, you know, the artist in residence. What is an artist? And you said, if you do art, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have a specific title. But we paint this picture in our mind and we, we give it as much life as possible. You know, in literature, we talk about personification. We give it as much life as we possibly can. And then it's, it's already there. Right, so there's this deliberate picture, but that doesn't mean that that's without struggle. You're gonna, and you have to repaint it and you have to revisualize it and you have to continue to write about it. But that's the beauty of it, right? Like, I'm caught, I was thinking before this, and I was caught up in this, you know, right before you called, the baby's spitting up on me. He's t- <laughs> took a huge crap. I'm changing. <laughs> he's screaming, he's wailing. I haven't slept. I haven't slept. I mean, you don't sleep with a newborn, mm-hmm. right? But I'm like, this, but there's so much beauty in this, right? Darkness and light, pain and struggle joy triumph like all these different things it's all part of the human experience and i just love life i love the human experience all of it right Mm -hmm. because without the pain and the suffering there is no like the joy isn't you don't feel it as much right and without getting your hands dirty and you know being on the front lines and doing the work, which is why, you know, you're gonna be this amazing doctor someday, because you're you're in the grit right now. You're in you're on the front lines doing all the great stuff. Like you said, chopping the wood, carrying the water. Like that's the great stuff of life, man. That's like that's what it's all about.
0: And there's no it's and then it's like there there's this one fellow that I always think of. Like when you when you kind of like 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 a horse needs to keep walking it needs to keep moving and like a lot of people you seem like this kind of same guy where it's like you will work until you can't and when you can't then it then that's sort of like when things are gonna go because like (laughs) you're you're just you seem like this kind of guy that you're just gonna keep hammering you're gonna keep doing what you what you want to do and what you love doing even if it sucks and even if it's hard uh but being able to do it is like that's what'll keep
1: you going so what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> the hero's journey as joseph campbell calls it
0: mm-hmm. and it sounds so it sounds like a lot of the before you die is is, is that presence is, is maintaining that presence until you die um is and i know we talked a little bit before the interview began about some something that you're looking forward to in the next six months is like working with with some really cool folks on a really cool projects, but that doesn't sound like, uh, that sounds more like, Oh, that's rad. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's cool, but it's, that's not like something that you, that's not like, like uh, a, a, like a, a, like a checkbox that you need to fill out before you're dead. Like if you don't do it, you're like, okay, whatever. I still get to be with my son and I still get to do all these cool things. Right. Um, are there, are there any experiences that come to mind that of like, Oh, I want to check that box.
1: Within the next six months?
0: No, within before before death hits
1: you. Oh, well hopefully I don't die in the next <laughs> six months. <laughs> well, I mean I'm I'm gonna keep drinking this green juice. It's funny because I keep holding these things up thinking your audience will be able to see this stuff too, but it's not the case. It's just me <laughs> and you. So um yeah, I plan on living a long, long time, brother, and I think that if we can, if we, with the way things are going right now with science and, and if we can really tap into our nutrition and uh, being very deliberate about the way we take care of our bodies, I, I think big things are coming. Plus, my great-grandmother, who came over from Fondi, Italy, which is just southeast, southeast of Rome, had 13 children, and she lived to be 107. Dang. So i got some good genetics yeah yeah that's but <laughs> anyways, that's not that says this has nothing to do with the my mind is fine whenever you guys got to understand eugene is like vibrating on a whole different frequency man whenever i talk to this guy it's just like the ideas are just like pew, 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 pew. it's crazy man this guy's awesome um so you know that's a tough question because there's so it's a, delic- it's a delicate balancing act, right? You're trying to live in the here and now. You're trying to be present. You're trying to be here with your son. You're trying to be a great husband. You're trying to be a great friend, a great servant leader in your community. And yet you're trying to also expand because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm trying to serve as many people as I possibly can. And, you know, there's, there's, there's so much that's happening right now that's amazing in terms of our ability to connect via technology. You know, people are hearing about Get Burly and our message all over the world. You know, I have people part of what we do is our pose is our our palms up overhead. It's part of our logo. And you're reaching up in this moment of triumph because part of what we talk about at Get Burly is this concept of exhausting yourself, right? Exhausting your efforts in something that is meaningful and worthwhile to you and developing the mental toughness, emotional resiliency, and personal development leadership skills. That that sort of arm you with the tools to just attack your life's mission with this great sense of vigor and passion and not allow obstacles to get in your way because you have developed obstacle immunity. You have developed the personal tools to get through them. And then at the end of it all, in your moments of triumph, like when I just had my birth, or when, you know, Ian Cavell starts his, you know, conglomerate business that he wants to someday, you know, you have these moments of and, and we so we have to celebrate our victory. So there's this pose I have you know, where you put your hands up, right? You put your hands up towards the sky and I don't care what you believe in, but there's a feeling of something up there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're spiritual, but it just feels, and you have this. And I always did it as a young kid when I would hike these mountains, growing up in the White Mountains, doing all these, you know, the presidential peaks. And I would always put my hands up. And that's where we came up with that pose, which is the logo. It's the hands up to the sky, palms up to the sky, embracing this feeling of personal triumph. And the reason I bring that up is because you ask me what do I want to, what is like a checkbox thing? A checkbox thing for me is helping as many people as I as I possibly can, arming them with the tools to create those moments for themselves. And so people to ask me, what is Get Burly? What is it all about? Honestly, at the end of the day, it's a lifestyle brand that creates life-enhancing experiences. And our mission is to empower people to become the best version of themselves. That's what it is. And so the checkbox for me is to, is not, you know, first and foremost, which we talked about, husband, father, but to enlighten, uplift, motivate, encourage, and inspire as many people as I possibly can to have these experiences, to arm them and equip them with the tools to create those experiences for themselves. And so What that exact amount is what that looks like, you know, I don't have those answers, but I do know that through Following my bliss as joseph campbell would say through the power of visualization and intent and journaling and meditation Through these experiences of visualizing Myself providing the service and being successful in it Doors have opened that I would have never even imagined. And they continue to open in these amazing experiences, which part of that is the experience I had just told you about before we went on here um, within the next six months, that that's part, that's part of sort of opening up this, these windows and these doors. And so for me, that's an important box to check. And so, you know, um, I think through social media now and through, You know, all of the unbelievable technological advances that we've had. That's what I find most awesome and awe inspiring about it is the ability to reach so many people all over the world. And so we had people sending us in these, because po- we encourage it, we inspire it. Hey, send us in your shot. Send us in your Get Broly shot. So people be, you be, know, they just climbed a mountain. Boom, they got the Get pose. post. They just did a Spartan race for the first time. They felt exhilarated. They sent us in this picture. They did the Get pose. post. I mean, we had people send them and we did this kind of cool video at the end of 2018 where we had all these shots of, I mean, the end of 2017 to start 2018. All these different shots of all these people from all over sending us in these pictures with rocking that Get pose post in this moment of like great personal triumph and like, I remember my wife did the videography. She made this crazy video and it like dawned on me like, whole, like this is crazy to me. You know, this is crazy to me that this, that they, that we've impacted this many people. And it honestly, I was proud of it. It felt so good. And so that's a box that I, that I really want to check off. And it's super important to me to reach, you know, to motivate and encourage and inspire as many people as I, as I possibly can. Mm-hmm.
0: And it sounds like you, you ascribe to like, there's, there's this thing that I love talking about, which is like, how do you take a measure of a master? Is it like how hard they can kick, how, how high they can jump or, or how fast they can punch? Or is it uh, how many masters do they create themselves? And like how much do they propagate their message uh, rather than letting it like wither and die with them? And it sounds like you're, you're very much along those lines where you just want to get that fire out there.
1: Well, that's the growth mindset, right? It's not mine. It was given to me. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I was so blessed to have these experiences. So, you know, I'm a conduit, right? Like, there's this energy, there's these ideas. I've had these awesome experiences. You know, has it taken a level of resilience? Has it taken a level of grit and perseverance? And and I, have I had to grind to have this? Absolutely, yes, I have. But I didn't do all that to to hoard it, to hold on to it. What would that be?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and unfortunately in life, you know, the further I go along this path, I'm shocked that to see that there are so many people like that. I don't gravitate towards those people, but you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So, you know, be deliberate about it. Choose wisely. I love the four agreements. Love that book, right? And there's so many great things that go along in that book in terms of agreements we make with ourselves. You know, be impeccable with your word. Don't say it. If it doesn't hold the value, don't don't utter those words. Don't put that intent out unless it's unless it's something that you are part of. Mm-hmm. And so you're right, man. It's about that. I, it, for me, I'm all about that growth mindset, which is why I enjoy, you know, that th- this project for you. What, it's a growth mindset project, right? You're not holding on to this. But I mean, here you have this amazing experience where, uh, you know, you had interviewed this girl. Now she's, she's she's in a car wreck, this terrible car wreck, and her family's posting this on death podcast to connect with her to connect with her spirit and what she's all about and they're gravitating towards it because they want to hold on to this beautiful essence of being of what she is about and the things that she values and desires and you have no attachment to that but it's something amazingly beautiful that you put out into this world and people are deriving meaning from it Mm -hmm. that's growth mindset and to me that's something that i that i really gravitate towards so i don't i don't hold on to the stuff i'm not and i think the best leaders want people to rise above them to grow right i'm not going to try to hold people down i want to lift you up and let go create something bigger better more awesome keep pushing us forward you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like if if somebody did like so say ian jumps off one of those tree limbs right and does like some like friggin' quadruple backflip. Then his brother goes up and does like, you know, something even crazier. And it's going to be like, all right, man, that was awesome. He's not gonna be like, Oh man, why'd you want to help me? You know, like it's growth mindset. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's see what we can do together. Let's see what we can, what the craziest stuff we can get into. Right. That's what it's about. So uh, how do you finish that next prompt?
1: When I die, I want. When I die, I want peace. And I want to be surrounded by my family. Mm -hmm. I want to be with my family.
0: Is there there a death that has affected you greatly, um, that has taught you something, uh, whether it is what you want your death to look like or what you want your death to not look like?
1: I'm not sure about what I want my death to look like, but there death has impacted me greatly um, you know there was a a time period in which two people that were very very close to me died within the same god I think it was within a month um, mm-hmm. and it was uh, one of my best friends in the world that I that I grew up with I played basketball with and you know we all through adulthood when no matter what was going on we always made a way to connect you know when I was out in Texas doing teach for America, which was another chapter of my life You know, he came out there remember the Patriots played in the Super Bowl um, He came out to visit me out there. He was watching the Patriots game But the point is he would you know, when I was up in New Hampshire school in New Hampshire He'd come visit throughout all the different phases of our lives. We always connected and then later in life I actually introduced him to his wife and they had this beautiful son together mm. and after a long and difficult battle with brain cancer, he passed away and I think part of the reason was because I was so close to both his wife and him, and I had introduced them, and I knew both their families very well. They actually asked me to read the eulogy at his funeral. It was just a... Um, and, in, in, and in that same time period, my grandmother, who was one of those 13 children of my great grandmother that had come over from Italy, uh, who was the sort of the patriarch of the family. You know, she did all the cooking and all the Italian... <laughs> And whenever we, you know, Christmas, nice evening. amazing, amazing. She passed away uh, of cancer within a month of Ryan passing away. And they asked me to read the eulogy at her um, funeral as well. So it was, it was, it was just a time period of, of some real deep introspection. Um, they both impacted me deeply and in, 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 very different ways. Um, you know, Ryan was, was so hard you know, I, I was there with him through the whole experience and uh, you know, the cancer and brain cancer and all the difficulty that he went through the whole entire time. And, you know, I was there afterwards when, you know, Jessica, his amazing wife asked me if I would be there when she told Cole, their son.
0: Oh you know? God. And,
1: uh, I remember holding her hand and having that conversation and it, it just, you know, carved a hole in my heart. And, um, you know, but I, I, I told Cole that, you know, I'd be there for him. And and I told Jessica, you know, Hey (laughs) guys, sometimes young boys need, you know, just that, you know, male figure to be around. If there's ever anything I can do to help out with Cole, you know, I'm always here. Um, and we, you know, and I'm, you know, good friends with his uncles and all that stuff. And everybody has done a great job, but it was so, it was just so difficult. And what I learned from both of their experience though, was to, to cut into the pain and to, um, and what I mean by cut into the pain is to, to replace those feelings. I had to honor their legacy. Mm -hmm. So I had to think about, you know, so, so, so for me, Reading the eulogy, talk about divine intervention or something powerful coming through. you. I remember being so nervous. I remember bawling my eyes out. I remember, and second, I stood up there and as, at Ryan's. I mean, this. I mean, talk about. I mean, Ryan was Iris as Iris could be. Iris, the bagpipes were playing outside. I mean, talk about <laughs> your, your emotion. And this, this church was thousands of. I mean, there's so many people because he was so well loved. And all of a sudden, I just stood up there in the church, and it was like this. just washed over me and it was him you know i felt his his the essence of his being washed over me and i delivered the speech and I, i can't even really take credit for it because it was something it was another mystical experience something divine occurred in that moment and i tapped into his the power of his being and people still to this day years and years and years later will come up to me and be like that speech you deliver. I've never heard anything like that. That was the most powerful thing I've ever heard. You taught, you honored his legacy. There wasn't, you had us laughing, you had us crying, you, you know, and it w- it was like one of those moments where it just all came through. And, you know, and, and again, it was similar at, at, at my grandmother's as well, but, you know, finding ways to honor their legacy has been very, very important to me. And so, like another thing that we do with Ryan is, you know, at, at every, every year in the spring at the Little League parade in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is where he grew up. They give an award on his behalf to a, a young man with the fighting spirit because Ryan, I mean, he fought that thing and <sighs> it, never once did he complain. Never once did he throw a pity party. And I don't ever remember him. And I, you could see the amount of pain that he was in. Not once, not a single time ever. And that, that is something that I will always remember. And so they asked me to give a, a, a speech and give the award on his behalf every year. So that's, you know, that's one way that I honor him, but, but I also honor his legacy in the way that I approach my day to day and the way that I, uh, you know, if, if I feel like sometimes throwing a pity party, from it, it's like, no, longer. I feel him. I feel him looking at me. I feel him. ties like, you dude, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then my grandmother, she held, she was the glue, right? She was the glue. Mm -hmm. So I think about what would they want. I think about the way that they would want me to live my life. I include them in my speeches. I bring them up. I bring their essence up. I talk about uh, an an example where I feel like it connects to a particular group that I might be working with. So I draw upon their power and that allows me to keep them alive in spirit and it allows me to honor their legacy and it puts me in a place where I feel um, that I can continue to connect with them. And so I've learned through their deaths, I've learned the importance of honoring legacies and the mm-hmm. importance of keeping storytelling. What a powerful thing that I think our culture has lost with how much we constantly are to do with the texting and the mm-hmm. power of storytelling, right? The power of – I mean, it was, ancient cultures relied upon this, right, for, the, for passing on their history, their culture, their art. The power of storytelling and and so for me that's something that i tried that's that's how i try to keep their spirit alive and honor their legacy and you know as far as what i learned from their death is i would say that importance the importance of keeping loved ones alive by honoring their legacy through storytelling
0: and it sounds like like i am so struck by that experience with ryan with you know, it's one thing to deliver the eulogy, you know, in front of everybody, uh, to to his loved ones, people that are mourning him actively, but it is, it is another level of depth and uh, and honor to be asked to be there with his son and his wife, and well, during that transmission of like the, the hardest news that you could ever give to a young man, uh, that the death that his son and his father died. It's like that's that is so profoundly beautiful and that will stick with me for a very long time. That idea of just, I dude, I can't even imagine what that experience was like. And I, I, it's, it's like the, the, the weight of that, the, the, Mm. the responsibility there, like you're like, Mm. I, you know, I can fuck up the the eulogy, but I cannot mess that up.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was very powerful, but it was a a scenario in which all the uncles were all around. Like Ah, we just were there for her. God. before after during and then all the equipment was there right like he we had equipment to take him up the stairs we had equipment you know is all the, and all of a sudden all that's gone so cole comes running in where's daddy where's the equipment and i'm like i look at jessica and i'm like do you do you need me here for this like do you mm-hmm. is this is a conversation you need to have a lot she's like no and she i never forget it she grabbed my hand like a vice grip like like it, you know mm-hmm. and i i was just silent i was i was quivering i was trembling i but i also was trying to project confidence and project a level of calm and you just you know you just be there you just be in the moment and you just try to be a calming presence and you try to in some way shape or form shed light on a dark moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's all you can do in that moment but yeah it it i would say that it deepened my capacity for love that moment deepened my capacity for love oh, i'm sure and, so and he- i think that i think that going through those experiences honestly is is part of the reason why i can love ashley as deeply as i do and i think going through those, those experiences created this more space and allowed me to go deeper in terms of my vulnerability
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be open to the amazing love that that she has that ashley has mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think that my relationship I don't think that I would have been as ready, you know, to to take that this leap that mm-hmm. I've taken with her had it not been for that.
0: It is that, that like almost emotional like international travel where you're like you go to the highs <laughs> and the lows you in order to really understand like what is this person in front of you? <laughs> Who are they?
1: Right. I'm gonna quote you on that, man. I, like I got st- I'm stealing that one. <laughs> Emotional international travel. That is, <laughs> that is freaking awesome, man. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you want you want to be surrounded by the loved ones uh, w- during your passing. Uh, do you do you have any idea what that moment will feel like? What uh, what you want that experience to be like? Going from life to death.
1: You know, I loved listening to Mashiki,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Dr. Mashriki. when he talked about this and he talked about as a doctor being part mm-hmm. of near death experiences, he talked about his patients going through them. He talked about reading about them uh, and what he envisions it to be like. And I found that fascinating and I've heard these tales and I've talked to some people that have, have kind of had similar experiences. And, you know, it's, it's so fascinating to me, this concept of leaving your body, like like just kind of closing my eyes and imagining leaving my body and looking down upon the room, like the doctors and whoever's there with you. And then being in that, as Mishriki described it, that sort of purgatory of like, am I going back into my body or am I drifting off? To this light to this tunnel and so I've, I've I have thought about that but at this particular stage of my life I'm i I'm so much more concerned about living the best life possible in the here and now mm-hmm. and and I just have I have this great energy to to impact and I just I'm just so focused on that that I don't I don't visualize what my death would be like very often. But when I listened to that, it did make me think a little bit about what if it would be like that or what it would be like. Um, but right now, I just want to create an awesome legacy for my family and for anyone that's been touched through Get Burly. And that's really where the majority of my energy and mindset and approach is. Um, and I think if you ask me that same, the same question later in my life, I'll probably have a very different answer. Um, but right now it's just not where most of my energy and focus is.
0: Mm-hmm. You're in, it seems like you're in this phase of your life. That's just creation, like create, set fire to things and and make it, big and like do 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 work and keep it going um and uh, i that makes sense and it's it's almost like uh you know if you live your life in such a way that uh you're present and you are loving all the time that your death is going to be it'll be fine like you don't really need to worry too much about it because it'll just kind of it'll happen whenever it happens hopefully not too soon uh, and if you live your life well and in a way with, with loving presence, then there's no way that your death can't be a lovely, beautiful thing. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. I don't feel worried about it. I don't feel fearful about it. I, I feel that if, if you've, if you're motivated through love and you live through love, then that that's not. Something to fear, to be fearful of.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you finish that final prompt? After I die, I want.
1: After I die, I want to. For, you know, it. This is difficult to answer because it depends upon where everybody else in my life is, and I'm going to try to answer this question without getting emotional. Mm. But having recently listened to Dr. Mashriki's episode, um, you know, if anyone that I love has passed prior to me passing, I will want to be with them after I die. I will, I will want to be with them because I love the power of human connection. I love connecting with people, Um, especially my wife, most importantly, my wife. She's, you know, it's interesting. I I was describing this to somebody. It's like having a perpetual sleepover with your best friend over (laughs) and over and over again. And I mean, she is, she's my best friend. She makes me laugh every single day. She puts a smile on my face it's like she's created this unbearable lightness of being, you know, uh, of uh, her essence. It just, it lets me float when I'm, when I'm, when I feel like, uh, you know, things are tough. And so I, I, I want to be with her. I want to be with her always in, in this life and in the afterlife because she's She's everything. She's, you know, she's my best friend. She's my lover. She's my spiritual companion. You know, I feel so much more complete since she's entered my life and I didn't feel incomplete prior to that. I felt completely fine, (laughs) but it's interesting what happens when you meet someone that does that to you and people say you don't know until you, until it happens. It's true. I didn't know I was completely fine and I wasn't looking. I mean, you, you, you knew me as single, uh, Michael (laughs) Karen with get Burley Mm -hmm. and I I was very content. I was very happy. And, but you know, that type of love changes you. And so I want to be with her, near her, around her. And after I die, I want, people to say if they met me or if I impacted them in some way If they, even if they didn't meet me if they read something that I wrote I plan on writing a lot in this lifetime if they saw a video that I was in, if they listened to this in some way shape or form that I made their life better you know, it's like I said earlier for every person I come into contact with I want to Have become a better person for having known them and for them to have a better become a better person for having known me and So after I die, I want I want that I want them to have been uplifted by me in some way To to have motivated them to have encouraged them to have inspired them to live a better life to be a better version of themselves In all that that can mean, you know, I mean so many people Initially think that this resonates with the physical essence, but the word Burly itself, strong, sturdy, well-built. Well, how is something, think about it. You know, you think of like an oak tree. How is something strong and well-built? Well, that depends upon your perception. I'm talking about developing strength from the inside out. I'm talking about having a grounded sense of who you are and what resonates with you on a deeply profound level and having the tools that are built up inside of you to live the best life possible, strong, sturdy, well-built. So I want to leave a legacy of people that have become some way touched by um, my influence, that have gravitated towards living a better life or lived a better life as a result of of something that i put into the world Uh, and most importantly that's my family first and foremost Mm -hmm. and and so just like i said i want i try to honor the legacy of those people that were important to me i hope that people will honor the legacy i left through storytelling not for selfish reasons but for the fact that i hope to have done Work that is deserving of stories to be told that will light a spark in people mm-hmm. and so that's what I want after i die To that's real good stuff <laughs> real, real good
0: stuff is there are, and i i have an, I have a guess, but are are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future
1: optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very optimistic. I mean, this generation—they're so cool, man. I mean, everybody's. There, I mean, they need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. They need a lot of help. There is a a lack of. <laughs> uh, there's, but that's why I think this work is so important. There's a lack of emotional resiliency. There's a lack of mental toughness. There's a sense of entitlement, and many. Of the youth of our of of this particular generation that being said there are so many people doing good work and there are so many fascinating kids that are so cool that are doing amazing things Um, and I think I've been lucky enough to have been um, blessed to meet and have contact with and to interact with people that are just doing some really good work that are doing it for the right reasons and I think that because of that I'm very very hopeful about the future I trust in humanity
0: <laughs> and I think that yeah you your work with with the youth it gives you a, a very unique perspective on the matter and in, in that you you get you really see what these uh, the you know where they start uh, where your work takes them and in the whole process in between of, of what is What are what to to which stewards are we giving this world to next, you know, Mm -hmm. like after after we're gone, it's going to be it's going to be the next generation. And what does that next generation really look like? How do they respond to adversity? I think that your work really lends you uh, gives you a a unique perspective on the matter.
1: Well, I hope so. I mean, that's the hope. And, (laughs) you know, I, I there was a and I think it was in your podcast with Ian. We were on the white our whitewater rafting retreat, which is one of our programs. And you were you jumped off the cliff, and you were talking to uh, Ian about the moment between when you jumped off the cliff and you landed in the water. And you said that in that moment, there was a release of fear or anxiety about the about jumping, and in that one moment, it felt like anything was possible. And so that's part of what we're trying to create, not just for young people. It's very important for young people. But this world of possibility, you know, to take a leap of faith, you know, you talk about jumping across the catechism. I keep bringing up this idea of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and being vulnerable and willing to just, just to take that step to create something awesome and magical in your life. And, and by doing that, right, by having that one experience, here's, you know, we have all these kids, they're sitting on the, they don't have to do it it. You want to do it it's there here's the opportunity it's all these safety precautions and measures put in place and if you want to jump they all jump they jump off of a cliff into a roaring rapid
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right but it's 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 done with all the safety precautions put in place and it's an opportunity for them to challenge themselves right we talk about challenge for change it's an opportunity for them to challenge themselves. And I'm hoping that, and from my experience, that at the end of these retreats that we do, because in some way we always try to create these types of experiences, that just like you, these you know people are having this experience where a world of possibility opens up as a result of opening themselves up, whether it's our fireside chat and opening up in terms of becoming more vulnerable and sharing something deep and profound, whether it's maybe something you're scared. You're, hey, you're, you're scared to, to jump out. You know, it's safe. You know, have you seen people do it safe? Here's the, you know, here's, here's how much space we have, this and that, but you, you just don't have, feel comfortable. You know, you're a little bit timid. Oh, take that leap of faith. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> so like creating these experiences, I think it's so important. And you know, I think I'm, I'm, Guessing that a lot of your audience are, are are parents or people approaching parenthood, and I think it's so important to just reiterate this concept of, you know, really not pampering these kids. Obviously, now I have my own kids; it's tough, right? You, nah. want, to <laughs> them. you want to coddle them, you want to take yeah. care of them, you want to do all the stuff, but at the same time. I'm telling you right now, Eugene, because I've been with kids all over the country, it con- it concerns me the lack of work ethic, I'll say. And, you know, hey, I'm sure you had some phenomenal workers. I know you did. You had some. Cause I remember we had those girls up in Spartan headquarters, flipping tires on the top of the mountain. You had some, Mm -hmm. some, some, some people on your crew team, some kids on your crew team with great work ethic, but there's a lot out there that just feel like, and I don't know if it's, you know, the fast nature of the internet of, you know, Hey, playing a video game, instant gratification. I can order this fast food. I can get on, you know, boom, 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 boom. And so there's not the sense of well I mean, I'm going to have to work really hard to make something meaningful and worthwhile happen. I've found that it, uh, getting kids to understand that what you put in is what you get out is is has been very, very difficult. And you know that's everything, right? that's that's parenting, that's teachers, that's coaches, that's society. Those are you know problems at large. but I think it's something that that starts in the home. and I think it's important to help develop a sense of perseverance, mental toughness, emotional resiliency, and grit in this generation and you know that's part of the work that we do and i just think it's really really important because if we equip them with these tools they're going to be able to do some pretty amazing things because they're they're awesome <laughs> they're awesome kids
0: <laughs> i agree and uh yeah you're doing you're doing some cool good strong necessary work that we that that needs to be done and uh, i am this, this has been a really great conversation. I knew you'd be awesome. I knew you'd be a great guest. It was, uh, and I am like, yes, this is going to be good. And I'm so glad that you were able to, to take this time, especially in this, in this uh, lovely uh, like moment of stillness in your life where you kind of get to reflect on, on your life uh, while you're on leave uh, with this new life and this new mantle on you. Um, and uh, I want to thank you for that and I want to leave you uh I want to give you the last few minutes last few moments of this interview to speak to the audience directly say whatever it is maybe it's uh to uh, a young athlete who who has seen your get burly stuff taking the cool photo you know <laughs> on top of mountain ah, raging out in the greatest way or maybe it's uh maybe it's to a, a young Stadler in the future, listening to (laughs) the conversation, uh, just feeling what, what, what was dad thinking about, you know, and, uh, I'll just, whatever you want to say to them, to, uh, to, to the audience directly, the floor is yours.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Eugene. You know, I, again, before I, before I go off on that, I just really want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, every time that i've had the privilege of speaking with you it's been some of the more authentic conversation i've had in my life and i think that you're doing some great work and i, I can't wait to see what comes out of this medical degree and uh whether whether you're the preferred nomenclature will be physician or doctor or, you know mm-hmm. we'll see but uh i i think I'm going to call it right now. There's going to be some collaboration between us in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it looks like exactly, but I'm going to start that mental problem. I'm going to put it up here, man. I'm going to start putting <laughs> colors to it. And I think that you and I can put our heads together to, to do some really good work in this world. And I look forward to that opportunity. Um, assuming you're open to it, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> but um you know, there there are three cornerstone values and principles that have permeated my life and in in were sort of the founding principles of Get Burley. And there are three words, passion, realization, and commitment. And so we talk about pursuing your passions with intensity and discipline. And I don't mean that in a fluffy way. I mean that with deliberate intent. And so you've heard me talk in this podcast about, you know, control your breath, control your thoughts, control your actions, learning a practice of of calm, whether it's journaling, meditation, whether it's visualization, uh, box breathing, there are so many controlled breathing techniques. I mean, you and I met at a, a yoga workshop, but finding a way to calm yourself and finding a way to get very deliberate about creating the picture of your best life and what that means to you. And being deliberate about it. And being in the driver's seat of your own life. Because people are going to push and pull you in so many different directions. Your life belongs to you. It does not belong to anybody else. So have the courage and the intestinal fortitude to start making decisions about where you want to be. So I would say that first and foremost. Pursue your passions with intensity and discipline. The next one is realization. So here we're talking about realizing And being open to realizations. Here's the growth mindset piece, right? Realization. Be open to realizations. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to take on somebody else's perspective. I did it through Semester at Sea. I did it through joining Teach for America, you know, bridge the gap between disadvantaged and advantaged kids. I went and taught in Houston, Texas for two years. I was a minority. I was the only white person in the entire school. I taught these underprivileged kids for two years and it was amazing. Right seeing these that make these crazy breakthroughs and I, I was open to realizations, right? I was a mind I had to be open to that in it and my world Expanded so that's the realization piece and there are two important realizations That have that I have witnessed and been part of helping to develop that I want to share and number one Is to realize that excuses are detrimental to the process of growth. We make them all the time stop making excuses Right. You you have to. people have to realize that when they stop giving power to other people in their lives, they're going to be aligned, right? They're going to be purposeful and aligned. So you're pursuing your passions with intensity and discipline. You're open to realizations. You realize you've made this you've made this pact with yourself that excuses are detrimental to the process of growth and I won't make them. OK. And the other important realization is that we have to ignore the naysayers. That is such a huge one, right? People are going to push and pull you and they don't want you. Some people don't want you to succeed. They don't want you to have a good life. They don't want you to have a partner that lifts you up, right? So here again, deliberate about. You're the five, you're the sum of the five people you sp- spend the most time with. Be deliberate about who those people are and why they're in your life. Look at the last text message you sent to somebody, look at the last phone call you made. What is that person doing? Are they serving you in your life and where you're trying to be in any capacity? See, kids are bombarded, people in general, are bombarded with all these decisions, right? I have to make all these decisions because the fast paced nature of society, we're making more decisions now than we ever have before. And so people get lost and caught up and confused about what are, what are the right answers? What are the decisions I can make? Well, guess what? Here it is. It's easy. Does this decision that you're about to make, whatever it is, take you one step further away from or one step closer to the person you are trying to become? And then it's easy. It's so easy. And do the people in my life serve that purpose? Do they not? You're going to have to make some tough decisions. So we talk about being open to realizations. So again, passions. Pursue your passions with intensity and discipline. Realize that excuses are detrimental to the process of growth, and that you have to ignore the naysayers. Okay. And now the last piece is commitment. These are the three values, cornerstone values of Get Early: passion, realization, commitment. Commitment, making and sustaining the commitment to being the best version of yourself. Okay. So let's 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 talk about this for a second. We have dreams. Okay. We have dreams that we have for ourselves, and we have goals that are aligned to get us to those dreams. So we have goals that are are set to help us reach our dreams. Well, what is in between those? Consistency and discipline, right? Consistency and discipline is the gap that bridges goals to dreams coming true. And we have to be consistent about it. I love the way you said it the other day. You said chopping the wood and carrying the water. Like, that's the work. And people get caught up in this minutia, this, oh, they compare themselves, right? What are they doing? I mean, a fitness goal. I mean, look at how they look so good. And they start comparing themselves. Are my abs cut up like that? You know, can I do that many pull-ups? Can I do that? Can I run that fast? What does that have? What does that person's journey necessarily have to do with your journey? And in these hours you're spending comparing yourself, couldn't those hours be spent on just doing the good work, the work that's when you're engrossed and you feel good? Okay, so commitment, we're talking about making and sustaining the commitment to being the best version of yourself, the best version of yourself, mentally, spiritual, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially. So passion, realization, and commitment. That's what I wanted. Those are the three. I could go on forever. And I know I don't want to take up too much of your time, Eugene, because I love this stuff. I love, I just love life. And I love helping people live a, a better life, a more, a more alive life. That's filled with passion. And so I think uh, those are the three things that we sort of touch on and talk about in all of our workshops and retreats and clinics and all these different things. So I just kind of wanted to leave people with that because in my life, I found those principles to allow me to get to the places that I want to go and create the life of, of my choosing. And I really, I think the biggest part of our work that we're most proud of is helping people to be in the driver's seat of their own life. Because so many people out there don't feel like they are. They feel like their life isn't even in their control, and it feels awesome when you're, when you're behind there, man. Right, you're putting the mm-hmm. pedal to the metal, and you're like, here we go, baby. So <laughs> well, that's it, man. You got a, you got a sneak peek. Come on, you can say hi. Come say hi. Hi. This is hi. My, this is my sweet May. She just got home from school.
0: Hi, say, May. Hi,
1: say hi to Eugene. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you can you can. You can see him talking but you can't hear him because I got the headphones on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so that's Mavers
0: she's she's awesome and that that all that all that passion for life that you're talking about just bleeds off you and it's just it's just you're on fire right now and i can <laughs> <tell>. <laughs> get over here man let's go ice skating come on yeah man. or let's go let's go. go jumping out cold ass water What <laughs> no. hey,
1: you haven't i can't i feel like you've been to my you, I, it's so weird to me that you haven't been to my house because it feels like you have mm-hmm. you need to come visit man
0: yes i do yes i do wow. next time i'm up there it's uh well i'll make the time it'll it'll, ha- it'll we gotta do happen
1: something. we got to do something burly man yeah we do
0: absolutely <laughs> uh this has been a a very burly conversation and i'm so so glad uh, thank you so much mike
1: no doubt for sure
0: and this is uh and just thank you so much this has been michael karen on death